This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Many of us listening to this show live in smaller towns and rural areas. Perhaps you're like me and wonder how you could, or if you should, attract a new generation, or perhaps any generation, back to the area you live. Do you have the business opportunities, amenities, and quality of life that others desire, or for that matter, to keep you and your family happy? It's a big challenge, and I'll take you to one small town that others use as an example of what to do and how to do it. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. You've heard me talk about my experiences using Pivot Bio Proven 40 with their corn crop. For the past three years, Pivot Bio has offered U.S. corn growers a product that is applied through an in-furrow application. Now Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. I simply take my pro box of seed and have it treated with one of Pivot Bio's industry-leading seed treaters. Pivot Bio Proven 40 OS has a reliable form of nitrogen that is delivered during the most critical growth periods. You can count on it to supply the nitrogen you need because Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. So you know your plants are getting a reliable source of nitrogen when they need it. I hope you'll learn more. Just talk to your local Pivot Bio dealer or go to pivotbio.com. So as some of you know, I live and work on a farm in northwest Missouri. My county has about 6,000 people and no stoplights. It's a 15-minute drive to the grocery store and 30 minutes or more to larger stores. So is that a place or a scenario that attracts people to stay or return? I suppose it depends on what you desire in life. But I think we'd agree that for many small towns and rural counties, the population is declining. And attracting farm families or any families to stay can be challenging at times. Sure, we don't need as many people on the farm these days, although on this show, we often have guests that tell us how more people can be involved in the farm and make larger profits. But for the sake of today's topic, what would you do to make your farm and community more attractive for others to call home? So this week, I'm visiting with Steve Cooper, the mayor of Osage, Iowa, a town of about 3,500 people in north-central Iowa. They have something called the Cedar River Complex, or CRC. Steve will describe it in a moment. I've heard many stories about the impact it has made on this agriculturally-based community. Here's my conversation with Mayor Steve Cooper. Steve, we're standing inside what you call the CRC, the Cedar River Complex. There's a lot under one roof here, especially for a town of about 3,500 people. Well, we have um, we have this auditorium, and it's connected in the same building with our fitness center, which is a uh, double gymnasium with a walking track and a fitness floor with machines and weights. Uh, we have um, uh, also, we have the historical society. They moved their museum in into this complex. Then adding to it, part of the, part of the uh, project too was there's a weight room and a parking lot, shared parking lot facility that we worked with the school, which is right across the street from us. Um, Involved in that also was the uh, construction of a new bus garage uh, maintenance facility for them. 
Um, our Ag Society became part of it, and uh, we have an event center over at the fairgrounds now that can, uh, we've had uh, wedding receptions uh, in there that have had uh, a sit-down meal with 700 people being served. And, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a fairly large facility, and, and in addition to that, there were some other upgrades made at the fairgrounds. So we are, our, our 4-H fair is probably one of the best in North Iowa. Talk about what Osage was like before you began some of the initiatives that, that we see here today. Fifteen years ago, uh, the population was probably about the same as it is now. We've stayed pretty steady, but uh, we had a need. We had a group of people in town that were wanting to build an auditorium. Uh, when the high school was was constructed, that had been part of the, the original plan to have an auditorium, but for cost reasons, that was one of the things that got cut out. Um, we had a group of people, uh, the Ag Society, that wanted to build uh, a building where they could have wedding receptions on their on the fairgrounds. Uh, the school was looking at uh, building a weight room and doing some different things there. Our old outdoor pool uh, sprung a leak. So we had we had a lot of different reasons to have a change in facilities. And at the time that this was all going on, uh, City Council had, had had a strategic planning session. And what came out of that was uh, the need for a fitness center or a wellness center. So... Everybody was vying for uh, private funds to build their project. And it became apparent to uh, those of us that were kind of on the firing line uh, that nobody was going to be successful because we were all trying to do something with private funds and everybody had fundraisers going on. So we called everybody together to try to come with some kind of a plan on who gets to go first, what the priorities were and who goes second and third and so forth. But uh, that group decided maybe we ought to just band together and have one big project. Um, so they hired an architect. Uh, the architect did a lot of interviews. Uh, we established committees for each part of the project. And uh, the architect came up with a plan that he could uh, put the concept on paper and give us a preliminary cost but he came up with a cost at that time, and this is without the outdoor, without uh, redoing the outdoor pool. He came up with a cost of around twelve and a half million dollars. And when that figure surfaced, I thought, well, it was a good try. But then we have kind of a unique situation in Osage. We have a very active uh, Osage Education Foundation, and they um, they identify graduates from the Osage High School that have gone out in the world and have have uh, done great things. They bring them back every year. They have a distinguished alumni banquet where they bring back anywhere from two to six people usually a year that they, uh, they announce that they are distinguished alumni and they have this banquet and allow these people to come back to their hometown and get some recognition. Out of that, um, they had a database of people uh, and these people were interested in what's going on in their hometown. So we had individuals starting to step forward, uh, offering pledges toward uh, building the facilities that we had originally thought. So to make a long story short, we were able to come up with about $7.5 million out of this group of people, and we hadn't even tried really yet. Um, 
So then it became a reality. We thought, well, if if the original project cost was twelve million and we already had seven and a half million of it pretty much raised, it looked to me that this might be doable. And to make the long story short, it was. In the middle of all this, the city then did decide to do an indoor pool as part of the project, and the cost went from about twelve million upwards to sixteen million. But uh, the majority of the money was was raised with private contributions. Uh, the Ed Foundation had a lot to do with that. Uh, we had a significant number of graduates from the Osage High School that live someplace else now that gave uh, substantial gifts toward the uh, construction of the of the facility we're in now. Were you surprised at how much giving to this project came from people who had ties to Osage but didn't live in Osage? Well, I was surprised personally. Um, I'm not a, an original native of Osage. Um, I was surprised. I didn't know these people. In a sense, I think it did surprise them with the amount that some of these people gave, but they did have this database of names to go to, and uh, once once the uh, fundraising started, uh, the community on a, on uh, on a whole really stepped forward, and uh, we have a list of people that were donors to this, and some of them gave as little as ten dollars, but uh, you know it just seemed like everybody wanted to be a part of this, and and it made it happen. Taxes are a part of life, but I don't think any one of us loves to see our taxes increase. But from what I understand, even though this was a major project, there was little or no tax money from the city was that was used. Is that correct? The the city's involvement in this basically uh, surrounded the pool. And we were going to have to do something with our outdoor pool. It, it, the outdoor pool, uh, if my memory serves me right, was 56 years old. It was a popular place. I mean, it, it got a lot of use. It was a big pool. But uh, it, like I said, the last year we were in operation, we only opened a pool 42 days. And we were going to have to spend a significant amount of money to either upgrade the existing pool or build a new pool. So we decided then we contacted the architect, the same architect that designed the rest of this building, and asked him if he could design an indoor pool for us. So he did. He uh, he had the capabilities of doing that, and that added about $4 million to the cost of the facility. We would have spent $4 million on a new outdoor pool. Uh, this way, we have a pool that can be operated year-round. Um, we contract. The pool actually belongs to the city, but we contract with the Cedar River Complex for the maintenance of the pool and the the operation of the pool. And uh, it's been a kind of a unique partnership, but it's one that has worked, and our pool gets used extensively. This is radio or podcast, so people can't, of course, see where we're at. But, Steve, talk about the 600 or so seats behind us here. Lots of different groups use this theater. Uh, one of the offshoots is we now have the the Cedar Summerstock Theater, which is mostly uh, aspiring college students that uh, like theater and drama that come here and uh, there's a lady from St. Ansgar that is the manager of the, the of this theater group. Uh, they put on four performances a year, uh, four plays, they're Broadway type plays, and uh, it brings people in from all over the United States. In addition to that, we have the Mitchell County Concert Association that, that brings in outside 
uh, talent, plus we have our schools that use the facilities on a regular basis. I know it would be difficult to put an exact number on this, but do you have an idea of how this complex has influenced people to come back to Osage, to stay in Osage, businesses to stay or relocate here? I've heard a lot of stories about the impact. I hear from people that say that they move back because because of, uh, not just because of the CRC, but just because of the attitude of the community and wanting to be in their hometown. I have a son that moved back here from Colorado. Uh, he was teaching school in Colorado, had been out there for a number of years, but uh, they moved back because this was their hometown and and uh, he wanted to be a part of this. This has been a big draw. Our uh, population in Osage, has, in Osage has stayed pretty steady over the years. I've had industry leaders come here and tell me that uh, they can't believe what we have in Osage. That's been one of the reasons why some of them have located here is because of the amenities we have and the quality of life that we offer. How much of the success of the facility and the community has simply been people believing they can do it and, and finding a way to do it? It changed a lot of attitudes. I think people thought when they first got wind that this was was possibly going to be a reality. I think a lot of people thought, uh-oh, my taxes are going to go up. But uh, the CRC uh, is a um, non-for-profit group. They operate uh, completely separate from the city. And uh, now I, I won't, you know, we do have the uh, the agreement with them on how they run the pool. Uh, and And there's been a good relationship there. But um, this has not been a burden on anybody's taxes. Uh, this facility has been able to not only get built, but has been able to maintain uh, uh, sustainability on its own. Um, we have about between 23 and 2,400 people that have memberships in our fitness center and pool memberships. Uh, so there's been a, uh, you know, it's on its own. It's been able to operate on its own without uh, having to rely on uh, contributions from the city. So I know people are wondering, including myself, how do other towns begin to accomplish something similar to what you've been able to accomplish here in Osage? Uh, first thing I'd, I'd do would, would be to uh, get some of your community leaders together, take a look at what you have in the community. Uh, like I said early on, probably one of the key components to this whole thing was our education foundation and their relationship to uh, people that had graduated from the Osage High School and their um, their contacts. They had contacts that seemed to open the door for us. Uh, but once the ball started rolling and people saw what we were trying to do, um, I think it became kind of a um, challenge, in a sense, to, and, and we challenged people to become part of this. Uh, we had committees established that worked on the development of each part of this building. We had a committee here for, for the auditorium that worked on just what we wanted for an auditorium. And we ended up, we have about 600 seats here. Uh, so there's been a lot of components and a, and a lot of people involved in, in making this thing happen. And I think it became part of a kind of like a community spirit. Uh, it, was, it was a drive that people wanted to belong to. In the second half of our show, I visited with Lisa Ahrens Peterson, some of you may know Lisa and her husband, J.R. Lisa was National FFA president back in the late 1990s. And while she grew up on the farm near Osage, she did not return when she graduated from college. In fact, she may have believed she would never call the farm home. But our topic in the first half of the show had an impact. The CRC, the Cedar River Complex. 
I talked with Lisa about why she chose to come back home and why others might as well and what all of us should consider if we want to make our community a place where we see a bright future. Lisa Peterson joins me, and Lisa, you were a native to Osage. You're back in Osage. Talk about uh, the time away and maybe what influenced you to come back. I know that the Cedar River Complex was part of that. Yep. Well, Drew, I'm not sure I ever thought that I would be back. Um, It was a surprise to me. You know, I I didn't know if I'd marry somebody that liked small towns, that was involved in agriculture. Um, The way it worked out, I did. And it was actually my husband's promotion that moved us home. Um, And so it worked out perfectly that we decided um, he could kind of live anywhere, southern Minnesota, northern Iowa. At that point, we decided, well, we should move to the farm at that point and and move back um, to the farm because we were also involved in the farming operation at that time as well. So the CRC was definitely one of those factors that said, hey, we should move to Osage in this move. Um, You know, being a mom at that point of a very small of, of small children, they were one, four, and six when we moved. Um, Having a place, especially in the winter in Northern Iowa, a place to be able to take your children as your stay-at-home mom. I was doing some consulting work as well, but mostly during the day I had the children. Um, That was huge for me. And, you know, a great opportunity for me to meet friends quickly in the community as well. Um, And as well as just giving us something to do in the middle of winter in Northern Iowa. You weren't in town when that was built, but talk about what happened, because I think there must have been a spirit in Osage that, hey, we are small, but we can do this and create something that would you say was as good as what you maybe had in Des Moines, where you would have lots of things like that to, to uh, where, where you could, uh, I guess, tie into? Yeah, you know, we were pretty spoiled in Des Moines. We lived in Waukee on the Clive-Waukee border, and we were one mile away from a brand new YMCA. Um, and I would put the CRC facility up with that YMCA. Um, we have a pool, we have a lap pool, as well as a lazy river and a zero entry pool, um, walking facilities, workout facilities. And then as well, something a little bit unique is there's also the auditorium as a part of that. And that's a part of that um, kind of conglomeration of the community. And our community has always been really good about recognizing the need to be progressive and to do things to keep the town alive. You know, at 3,500 people, it's not it's not very huge, but it's alive. The downtown is full. Um, the shops are cute. You know, I, I constantly run into people that say, oh, we love to come to Osage to shop. So I think Osage has done a phenomenal job at that and recognized the need that this was something our community needed. And they came together and built it. How do you keep people engaged with that center then? Because you need memberships to be able to keep things running and it is self-sustaining from what I understand. So how do you make that happen? You know, that's always a challenge where the budget is slim, but yes, we are self-sustaining, which is just outstanding. And first of all, we have to thank some of Bob Kern was one of our lead donors and he kind of helped set up to some initial operating that helped getting that board and helped getting the CRC initially up until we could figure everything out. Um, But otherwise, it's the creativity of our staff. I have to give them a ton of credit where they're constantly thinking up of new programs and new things to do. Um, Keeping youth activities um, at the forefront really drives a lot of that where, you know, there's always a basketball camp or somebody's with softball. They'll grab, you know, somebody that's graduated a year or two that's been playing at community colleges or maybe playing at college and they'll come back and give clinics. Um, Trying to keep the youth involved, I think, is a really big piece of that driving um, of 
the CRC. And the CRC is also really blessed for your listeners to know it is right across from our middle school and high school from a location wise. And so it's really easy for kids after school to head to the CRC. And that's kind of become one of those main spots that youth go when they're too young, too old. They, they're old enough. They can be by themselves, but they're too young to really be in organized sports yet. A lot of them are at the CRC. So I think that's been a huge benefit for families as well, of a safe place for their kids to be. I think a lot of us listening to this are from rural America or small town America, and maybe we don't have a facility like you do in Osage, but yet there are folks like you that if you turn back the clock 10 or 15 years, you're somebody with ties to the town, but you could really live anywhere and you chose to come back home. So what would you tell those towns about what do you need to be thinking about or what can you do to at least make the town a place that young people or young families might choose to come back home? Because at one time, maybe that wasn't even a choice for you, but this the CRC ended up making it more of a choice for home. Yeah, I think first of all is people need to be visionary and to think past, you know, think past that three months, six months a year in front of them. Um, and I think the other thing is you need to be collaborative and you need to recognize as a community, it takes everybody and especially small communities. It takes everybody coming together. And when you dream and come together and then you start putting some feet to that and people start working towards it. It's amazing how many people even that don't live here anymore that jumped on the bus, right? You look at the donors for the CRC and a lot of them were no longer living in Mitchell County, but they recognized the value of it as well. Um, and then also, you know, obviously the people here had to buy into that and say, it is important for us. We want this, we need this to keep our community alive and vibrant. And so it takes those couple folks that are willing to put the work in and start getting the boots on the ground and bringing people along with them for the vision. What do you say to people that say, okay, the CRC is nice, but you don't really need it. I can go swim somewhere else. I can run on the street. I don't have to have a walking track. What do you say? Because, okay, that's true. But where would Osage be if you hadn't have done some of those things? we wouldn't be one of the counties that's still growing in the state of Iowa and that's not losing population. And, and we can, I mean, Valent Biosciences is here. Their global headquarters is here. They have said um, they were shocked actually. And I'm sure Mayor Cooper maybe told you some of those stories of how they came, but it's hard for them to get people. They were worried about having recruiting people to come to Osage at 3,500 people because their headquarters is in Libertyville, Illinois. It's in Chicago. And now they say it's hard to tell people that they have to stay in Libertyville, that they want to come and work in Osage because we're a great small community. It's a great place to raise your kids. Um, there's amenities. You know, we have a river near too. Um, so there's things to do. And I think that's that's really the important part of it is you got to have people when you're not working, they don't want to drive 40 minutes to go to the pool. And that would be our next, you know, closest larger city to get to a Walmart or Target is 35, 40 minutes. And so when you have small kids and when you have a family, you need to have some of those amenities right next to you. And it makes your ease of living there easier, you know, and your, your quality of life is better. And I think that's why we're still a vibrant, healthy, living, growing community. Now, we're not growing very fast, but we're not shrinking either. Right. And sometimes that's the big part is that you're simply not not shrinking. You're holding your own in rural communities, which is just as important. Let's wind up with this then. 
I know this is hard to answer, but for those of us that live in small towns or in farm country, where's the place to start? Sometimes that can seem overwhelming to try to create a good place to live and also a place where young people, families, maybe people of any age want to come back. How do I get started? Oh, that's a great question. And I don't know if I have the magic answer to that. You know, we've had a lot of folks that come in through the CRC from other communities that have asked how we did it and have tried to use us as a model. Um, But I'd have to go back to Mary Cooper. You know, he was probably the catalyst in this of saying there was lots of different entities that each wanted something and each needed something. And he was the one that knew that and brought those entities together to start having those conversations. So I think it needs to start with somebody that does have a place of influence and some um, and political side of things. You know, I don't want to say it has to be the mayor or it has to be, but you've got to have somebody that's able to bring some of those groups together that um, can share that vision. And he he did a phenomenal job at that. Lisa, I appreciate the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you want to see the Cedar River Complex, you're welcome to stop in at Osage, Iowa. Or you can see the TV version of our show that we recently aired on U.S. Farm Report. I'm posting the video on our American Countryside and Farming the Countryside Facebook pages, as well as some of our other social media accounts. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside and the daily show American Countryside on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in American Countryside or Farming the Countryside. And you can hear these shows in a variety of ways as well at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or your favorite podcast platform. If you miss one of the shows, just use those platforms to go back and catch other topics of interest as well. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.